Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. I hope your day is going swimmingly. Today's conversation is with Brian Cascavalsian, the author of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor, the host of the Wealthy Contractor podcast, which you may have heard of, and the co-founder of G4 Marketing Group, a relationship marketing firm that helps contractors unleash the power of their customers by installing the industry-leading framework for driving referrals. Before becoming the well-known figure that he is today, it's important to note, Brian founded Handyman Network, which he developed into a national franchise. And it was there that he began to realize the power, not just of referrals, but having a customer base that truly promotes and believes in you and reps the brand every opportunity they get. So he began to develop a holistic approach to relationship marketing, which now makes up the framework that he implements with his clients at G4. I wanted to go deep with Brian on how to put a referral program on steroids and become a company where our raving customers do a lot of the marketing for us. Now, if you do good work and take care of your clients, obviously you're gonna get some referrals organically. But if you're a growing company and you wanna become more intentional with this all important lead source, there's actually a ton of stuff that you can implement. So our conversation is anchored on four core areas. Number one, how to drive Google reviews which boost searchability and position you as the customer service leader in your market. Number two, customer appreciation and how automated and well-timed post-job gifts and notes of gratitude, build crazy goodwill in the marketplace. Number three, we talk about a formal referral program which incentivizes clients to actually bring you hot leads. And number four, lastly, we talk about the all-important long-term nurture sequence which keeps your brand front of mind and makes you a repeat business magnet. Now you'll notice I had to record this one outside of our normal studio setup. Sorry about that. The audio and visual is still quality though. And the last thing I'll say before we dive in is this is a longer interview. It's an hour and 15 minutes. It was a little bit more than I bargained for when we started, but it's such a great conversation and so chock full of gold nuggets. I highly encourage you listen to the whole thing. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Brian, welcome to the Contractor Evolution Podcast. I'm excited to have you. We booked this months ago and I've been looking forward to it. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Benji. So... I want to pick your brain on all things referral strategy and tactics, and we're going to get, I think, pretty granular in a few minutes here and go through some really practical steps. Do you? Let's start with an easy one, though. Like when you think about the average contractor in North America, how how big of a role do referrals play as a lead source compared to other lead sources for these business owners? So it's interesting. 
and it's really kind of going to depend on the type of company you're talking about. So, you know, generally the smaller companies, uh, they rely on referrals. That's their entire quote unquote marketing strategy is, well, we're just, we just get referrals. It's all by word of all of our businesses by word of mouth. And so with them, it's, you know, they're, it's just kind of like hope and a prayer. It's like, you know, we just hope that we expect that these are going to come in. These referrals are going to come in. When you get into the more sophisticated businesses, the multi-million dollar businesses that you and I primarily deal with, marketing, or I'm sorry, referral marketing, if you will, or relationship marketing, as we call it, it needs to be like everything else. It needs to be intentional. There needs to be a process around it. And uh, there really needs to be some effort put into making it happen. If if we look at so lead generation is expensive and it's only going to get more expensive every year lead generation goes up and you know with where we are right now you know we're recording this at the end of October you know we're a, there's two things going on right now one is we're going into holiday season end of the year which typically is a tough time uh, to make leads but we're also going into a time where we're going to see some quote unquote, normalization in the marketplace, meaning mm. that things aren't going to be growing at the same rate that they were over the last couple of years. That was a bit of an anomaly. I've been in the home improvement industry for 30 years, and I've never seen two years like, you know, 21 and 22. This, this COVID boom that we went COVID through boom. will kind yeah. of wind down a little bit. We'll, we'll come, yeah. back to, come back to earth to some degree. That's what you mean by normalization. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so- as part of your marketing mix, you definitely want to have a strategy for referrals and for repeat business, for your customers coming back and buying from you again. And, and quite frankly, the strategies for both are very, very similar. Like mm. we're going to do the same things to get referrals as we would to get repeat business. I tell my clients that I think that what you want to target is you want to target about a third of your business at a minimum, target about a third of your business to be repeat and referral. And to me, that's a nice little base of business that you kind of know is going to happen. And then the other two thirds is you're going to go, you know, look, you work for every single lead, but you're going to work a little bit harder to get those leads than you would necessarily to make the referral and the repeat leads because they're going to close better. You know, there's less price resistance. They're definitely more profitable than, say, an Internet lead or a TV lead or something like that. Something colder. And yeah. you're saying 30% is a nice, uh, like roughly a third of About your third. entire lead yeah. flow is a nice, healthy benchmark um, where, like, that's the right amount of referral and repeat business that you should be getting. 100% would suggest that your marketing and your brand is really unsophisticated and you're probably a little bit too hand to mouth. You're a little too referral reliant. And yeah. like 5%. Would suggest that I, you know, either you don't do very good work, which we can we can talk about that, 
um, or you're just, uh, you know, maybe you do, but you really have nothing in place to, to intentionally drive those referrals and those repeats in the way that you ought to. Absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, you comment about um, the the price sensitivity the, there's a couple of things that I, I pulled some data on this on, in our Breakthrough Academy world. A number of years ago, our referral like lead source, I think was as high as about 38% of our entire, our whole across all our channels, 38% were coming from referrals. Now, we over the last couple of years have invested really heavily in a content brand, in some digital strategies and paid media. Uh, we've got a really, really active and healthy webinar campaign. We do a whole bunch of more cold traffic stuff. And so our, our percentage has shrunk down to about 14.3%. That's year to date for 2022. Uh, it used to be much more, but it's at 14.3% right now. Now here, But here's what's interesting. It's 26% of our total sales. Yeah. And the so so why is that? Okay. Uh, the lead to sale ratio is much, much higher, meaning they yep. convert more efficiently than other channels. The deal velocity is a lot faster. Just to, I, I don't know if a lot of uh, I don't know if people use that term in their marketing and sales organizations. Deal velocity has to do with how quickly someone goes from new lead to sold deal. Uh, and it's actually like you track it by time, days, weeks or months. So the deal deal velocity is a lot a lot faster, and the other thing that I think plays into this too is uh, another thing to consider is one one really good client relationship does not necessarily equal one referral; it can equal five or six, oh, yeah. or sometimes many many more. So this is sort of like I guess I'd maybe wrap up this tangent with a comment, Brian. In in a world of uh, marketing funnels and paid ads and SEO and all this fancy stuff, you know, word of mouth is still king to some degree. Yeah. Well, look, I think the majority of leads are made that way. It's just we don't always hear about it because most companies don't have really great tracking systems. And I think that, you know, if you look at the companies that are sophisticated in advertising out yeah. there, it's revenue wise, they're going to be a larger share, but number wise, they're going to be a much smaller number. And so when you look at everybody below that, you know, the bottom, say, 80 percent or 85 percent, I think the majority of that stuff happens through word of mouth. Right. And um, and so, you know, again, there are a lot more companies out there that are not marketing that, you know, like sophisticated marketing, like, you know, doing Internet. Uh, uh, lead generation, doing TV, doing any type of, you know, radio, I, I, go down the list, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I talked to some of our members, actual contractors, a few painters, a few landscapers, a few builders about what, what percentage of their lead flow came from referrals or relationship marketing. Uh, on the very, very low end, it was about 33%. And on the high end, it was like 90 to 100%. So that kind of lines up with what we're saying. Yeah. I, I'm curious, though, if in broad strokes, before we get into like some specific tactics around reviews or customer appreciation, etc. In broad strokes, like how, how should someone who is currently getting referrals in that very organic kind of just like, I hope I get some way, uh, move to a more intentional process that they can truly drive? Um, how long do we have? 
As long um, as you want. <laughs> no, I am. I'm joking. But it, it's, you know, look, it's like anything else. You've got to set up metrics. You've got to set up tracking. You've got to set up testing. Um, you have to know what works and what's not going to work. Uh, you have to know where your leads are actually coming from. So a lot of companies, you know, the smaller ones especially, you know, they don't always know where the lead comes from. They don't much care, I think, where the lead comes from. And they're just running leads. They're just busy. And uh, so that's the first thing you've got to do is you've got to really get kind of organized. And, you know, this is everything you guys do, right? It's like, how do we help you set up processes and systems and then put the people in place that are going to help you manage those processes and systems? How do we hold them accountable to those metrics that we've defined, to the scorecard that we've defined, so that ultimately we're hitting our numbers, we're hitting our, our target numbers? Mm. Would you Would you almost make the case that, um, a really dialed in CRM with good, effective, clear reporting on lead channels is like a prerequisite to working with you at G4. Is, is that something that needs to come beforehand or not really? It's preferred. It's yeah. definitely preferred. But, you know, look, it's something that it, we have a lot of resources here. So if it's something they need help with, we can definitely steer them into that direction. Yeah. I mean, what, what's interesting is like like the tech side of it really is for better tracking, probably some automations. But I think a lot of the stuff we're going to go through here um, can work in a very, you know, very horse and buggy business model, very old school business model. A lot of the, a lot of these tactics we're going to go through uh, still still will work very effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dive into to one of the one of the things I'm probably the most curious about, which is um, like the the strategy and process and the why behind a good, healthy kind of feedback and reviews process. Before we dive in, can you maybe comment on like what I'm talking about here specifically is you know getting a very very good Google review rating, like a good healthy out of five star rating with many, many, many reviews, like not just, you know, you see these, these businesses that have a 3.2 on four reviews. That's not what we're talking about. Right. Hundreds of reviews, a really, really high rating somewhere between four, 4.5 and five. Um, so that, that's what we're talking about here is how to create that. But just broadly speaking, why, why do you think social proof is so powerful in today's market and with today's consumer? Social proof has always been important. I remember back, look, I'm a lot older than you. So 30 some years ago, we would use written testimonials, letters right. from people, you know, things on paper, you know, that customers would write to us and yeah. tell us how great we were. And what would we do? We would put them into a book and we would take them with us to see that next customer. And we would say, look at what all of these people have to say. Then we would have a sheet of paper that was typed up, typed up with the name and the phone number. Here's our references. Here's the other people you can call to ask them about us. Because what they say is so much more powerful than what we say. 
You're not that much older than me because I did the exact same thing. I did had you? A, okay. Right. Boss cards that were that were yeah. a, the size uh the size of a postcard, and it would be a name, email, phone number, and then a rating, and then there'd be a little comment section that you'd literally hand right. them a pen at, while you're collecting a check, hand them a pen and say, "Hey, can you say some nice things about my business?" So That's I can right. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah. Um, and so social proof is powerful. Now today, today we still think that people should be using that stuff. So you should be in your sales presentations, you should be using video testimonials. So video testimonials are the new version of letters, right? right. Or notes that you received in the past. And it's much more powerful, but it's the same exact strategy. It's the same uh, psychology behind the letter, right? Yeah. It's like what somebody else says about us is 10 times or however many times more powerful than what we could say about ourselves. Now we've got this thing called Google reviews. And so on Google reviews, now people can go and they can read about who you are. Yeah. Are you, do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you a good company to work with? Yeah. And, you know, talking about, how, you know, the, the, this, idea of social proof, now, not only are you impacting that customer at the point of sale or that prospect at the point of sale, but now it's also before they even call you, they're checking you out. So if they see your ad somewhere, they see you on the internet somewhere, they want to go and see, well, okay, well, what did the reviews say about these people? And so that just means that, boy, you better have a really good story there on mm -hmm. Google. And so we always talk about um, the, the quality of the review. And to me, if you want to hit like that perfect range, 4.6 to 4.8. Right. You know, not everybody's going to be five stars. And you want to make sure that you point those people out, by the way, mm -hmm. in your sales presentations. But 4.6 to 4.8, you want to show that reviews, people don't care about what you did last month. They care about what you did yesterday. Is that and the case? The, like, oh, yeah. Old, old, like, like the date, the date of that a review came in. The, the, you're saying to the modern consumer, the pace at which they become obsolete is very fast. Absolutely. Frequency is important. And it's also important for Google. Mm. So because one of the side benefits, so I had a client, we helped them go from I don't even remember the exact number. We have a case study on this, but like dozens of reviews that were okay to hundreds of reviews over the course of a year to right into that range of 4.6 to 4.8. So you know what happened organically to his website traffic? What's that? It went up. Yeah. You know how much it went up by? A lot. 91%. Wow. 91. I was shocked when I saw that. And so what that what that tells me is that there was a whole bunch of people checking them out online. And they didn't like what they saw because mm. mm. the marketing, his marketing didn't change. Nothing changed. Nothing else changed except the number of reviews that he had, the quality score and the frequency of those reviews being left on his site. So mm. what that did was he moved that moved him up with Google. But it also helped because now the people that were potential prospects are all like, oh, man, this is a good company. 
They've got hundreds of reviews. They got reviews from yesterday, from three days ago, from last week. So these guys are good. I'm going to call them. Now, um, I'm curious about the production process and there's definitely, there's kind of two sides to this, the way that, the the way that I look at a a really good like review strategy, you know, one, and we could make the case that this is kind of the the most important and the most ethical side of this is like, you do need to do a good job. You do need to wow your customer. The experience needs to merit, needs to deserve a high quality review. So that's the first part. The second part is a little bit more about the, the process of like capturing, posting, doing that in a very methodical and reliable way. And I want to talk about both sides. Let's talk about the first first. Besides just doing a good job of the quality that you were contracted out to do, what sorts of touches, little things – create the emotional response needed to garner those raving five-star reviews that are like not a sentence or two, but like a full-blown paragraph. I'll tell you, the number one piece to look at is your communication with your customer. Number one, when you are look, when you are, I always say a satisfied customer in today's world is a liability. (laughs) And I'll tell you why they're a liability, because that means your system was set up to just create a satisfied customer. To me, if you mess up just a little bit, satisfied customer goes from satisfied, just you just did what you said you were going to do, to uh, you guys kind of suck, or maybe you guys really suck. But if your system is set up to create a raving fan, meaning that from day one, you look at the entire process, that entire customer journey, and you look at every single touch point that you have with a customer throughout that journey, and you ask yourself a very simple question. This is how we teach it, by the way. Very simple question. What can we do at this touch point with the customer, whether it's face-to-face or on the phone or text or email, however you're communicating with them? What can we do to make this customer go, wow, these guys are so professional. Wow, these guys are so clean, like in the house. Wow, these guys are so fill in the blank. And you get that by thinking also about, well, what would create a really great experience for the customer? So, for example, one of the things that we used to do early on, we started G4 in 2009, Okay, so we're talking 13 years ago. Back then, Google reviews didn't even exist. So what we wanted was we wanted feedback. Tell us how we're doing. Now, one of the things, so these cards evolved over time. But on the one, uh, uh, you know, we had columns. So we had these questions that we would ask and then they would have the bubble. Right. So you fill in the bubble. We went from, you know, five, four, three, two, one, from excellent to good to fair to poor. We went, we added a column called wow. Mm. Okay. We added a Mm -hmm. column called wow. Mm -hmm. And one thing was very, very interesting. So over thousands and thousands of these coming back, we would get companies that would consistently get wow, you know, in their, I think it was seven questions. Mm -hmm. Except for one question. That question was follow up after the sale. So we would see that and we'd be like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? 
what we find out. This is where communication comes in. So let's just say you, a lot of my clients sell windows. Well, you got to go and order windows. You can't just come out, uh, sell them today and go install them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There's a lag time of right. potentially weeks, sometimes even months. Yeah. yeah. So imagine I go out, I do my presentation. I sell somebody $10,000 worth of windows. I ask them for a deposit, 1000 bucks, 2000 5000 whatever the number is. I ask them for a deposit. I take that information back to my office. I go and I order the windows. I schedule it. I do all of this stuff behind the scenes. But what didn't I do? Tell, tell them any of those steps. I never called the customer. I never told them anything. So a month goes by, six weeks go by. Now they have to call the office and say, hey, I haven't heard from you guys. What's going on? Because yeah. immediately when you leave, what are they thinking? They're thinking, oh, shit, did I just get ripped off? Right. 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 Because that, they've heard so many horror stories. So if you're not doing something immediately like the next morning after the job was sold. You're already behind the behind the eight ball because they're already starting to think about all the reasons why they should cancel. They're yep. starting to think about, oh, you know, are these people going to rip me off? Yeah. So you immediately need to, to, to squash that. But then it's like, OK, so what if you do it the next day? OK, well, what about three weeks from now? What about a month from now? I tell my clients, you should be reaching out to them every single week. They should get something from you that says, hey, everybody, or hey, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, we're still here. Everything is on track. We're going to let you know um, as we get closer, but we're still on track to what we told you. Very simple. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And when you change that, it changes the game because mm -hmm. now you're really starting to get into the mind of the customer and you're asking yourself, well, if I'm the customer or my grandmother was the customer or mm -hmm. my mother, how would I want them treated? That's so you got to look at it. You think that this this very um, particular window between this the, the sale and the start of the actual job is one of the most important stages Critical. to over communicate in. And yeah. that, that is going to like and do you see that in like. When you, you – I'm assuming you have clients with many like hundreds of, of reviews, maybe some that have thousands. Does that show up in the – is that like a common thread in the reviews? People say explicitly, hey, I was really well communicated with yeah. after they sold me the job but before we started and that really mattered to me because X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Now okay. – Okay. So now here's the other thing as it relates now to referrals and repeat business. Okay. So think about this. So what a lot of companies do, and this is going to start happening now in the next few months, by the way, companies that were busy during the COVID boom that did nothing to keep in touch with their customers, yeah. all of a sudden now, or and didn't really work that hard to create raving fans. It created satisfied customers and they got their reviews and whatever, but they didn't really work to create raving fans. Right. So now what's going to happen, things are going to start to slow down a little bit. They're going to start to look around and say, oh, crap, we don't have enough leads to run this week. My salespeople are getting upset that we don't have leads. What are we going to do? Oh, my God, let's start calling our past customers. So now they're going to call up their past customers that they've not set up any type of communication plan with. They never thought it through. They didn't communicate with them well during the actual yeah. project. 
Absolutely just a cold call. This is is after the project was over. Yeah. After the project was over, there was really no communication, no relationship building. And now they're going to call him up and they're going to say, hey, uh, this is Benji from Benji's Window Company. And, um, you know, we did your job for you two years ago. And they're going to be like, uh, "Okay, you did a job for us two years ago. Um, And then you're going to be like, well, you know, it's been a little while and uh, we need leads and it's time for you to give us money. (laughs) But they um, and and they're going to get in trouble. I mean, it's it will it work in a couple cases. But think about it. Had you had a system that said from the minute I set the appointment, yeah. not even after the job has been sold, from the minute I set the appointment, do I send them out a text message with a picture of the salesperson that's coming to their house, an email with a with a picture of the salesperson, something? Yeah. That says, hey, here, then a phone call or a text message or both to confirm the appointment. Then the day after the appointment, let's say it's sold. Now they call them up and say, thank you so much. We appreciate you. The paperwork came in. Here's what's going to happen next. Phone call, an email that says the same thing. And now we've started a communication with them. And yeah. now every week we're going to stay in touch with them and say, now when it comes to the end of the job, and now we're going to start our whole thank you and review campaign. How much more likely is it that that person is now going to give you a five-star review where you ask them to put it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How much more likely is this person now when you nudge them, when you stay in touch with them and you ask them for referrals, how much more likely are they to give you a referral? Orders of magnitude more. Exactly. Right. And so that's how the whole thing, you know, this whole thing ties together. And and it's fine. I was talking with somebody the other day about G4 marketing and about what we do here. And and, And look, whether somebody uses me or they do it themselves or they use somebody else doesn't matter to me. It's these are the things you got to do. But the thing with what we do here is we take a holistic approach to this. We don't just say, you know, look, there's there's when you're talking about appreciation, which we're going to talk about in a minute, there's a hundred companies out there that you can go and buy cookies from. Yeah. Or from. When you're talking about reviews, there's a hundred review platforms that you can go out there and get referrals. There's software out there you can get blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff exists by itself. Now you can try and cobble all this stuff together, but if you're just focusing on one part of it, you're not going to get the full benefit as you would if you take a holistic approach to the whole process, because all of these things are tied together. Reviews, referrals, repeat business, relationship, profitable relationships with your customers. All of that stuff is all tied together. Totally. Totally. Yeah. They, they, they intersect at very, very important points. And if you just do one, it might have some effect, but right. not. It's, it's really a drop in the bucket compared to what's available to you. I'm curious if you can actually just describe for listeners, um, feel free to be a, a little technical too. Like what is the, can you explain the mechanics of a good review process? Like, there's, there's, a, I'm sure there's a software slash automate. We kind of talked about the, the, what you need to do to earn the right to give them the nudge to ask for yeah. the review. How can you automate that nudge so that people actually do it? Because 
um, your employees, your foreman, your whatever at the end of the job is probably going to be tired, probably anxious to get to the next thing. And I, I think, I, I, you know, they're not maybe the most reliable node within the system to capture reviews. So how do we do that's this? Problem. Yeah. Well, first off, that's a problem. You know, you know, as well as I do, that's a problem because they're not bought into the vision of the company. Right. The vision of the company needs to be very clear. We create raving fans. That person that you just went and installed for is the most important person in our business. It doesn't matter how tired you are. At the end of that job, here's the things that you need to do. And what are, and so, so what are those things? Well, you got to make sure that that customer is thrilled with the job that you did. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure you get your, uh, you know, it depends how your payment works, but you got to get payment. You got to do, uh, there's a couple things that you can do to set up referrals. There's some things you could talk about. You can, it, you could talk about the, what are they going to do next? You know, one of the things, and, and look, if the installer is not the one that's willing to do it, that's actually fine. As long as the installer creates a raving fan with their portion of it, you as the owner. So let's say you do 10 jobs a month. Why can't you go see 10 people on the day of install? Mm. You know, if you do 20 or 30 jobs a month, why can't your salesperson go stop? You know, they didn't sell all 20 of them. Go stop and see somebody on that day of install or within a couple of days of the install being done Mm -hmm. and ask them, how is the process? Mm-hmm. Did we do everything that I promised you we would? Did mm-hmm. we exceed your expectations like I told you we would? And if we didn't, what can I do to make it right? Oh, you got Benji, you guys were awesome. You guys were great. Great. Do you have your phone with you? Yes, I do. Great. I'm going to send you I'm going to send you a text. By mm-hmm. the way, I'm giving away I'm giving away a little trade secret here, okay? We call it the 90 second review, right? So Benji, you got your phone with you? Yeah, I got yeah. it right here. Great, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a text. Did you get it? Yeah. Great, click that link. Great, you see where those stars are? Did we earn a five star review? Mm. Yes, great, five. Would you mind writing, was there anybody that stood out for you? Was there anything that we did that really stood out for you? Would you just write that in that little box there? Great. I hit send. That's it. You're done. You just got yourself a five-star review. Totally. And you walk them through it and you walk them through it at the right moment. But what's the tool? What's the actual little plugin or tool that you have? We have our own platform called Authentic Feedback. Yeah. Authentic Feedback. it's, It's built into everything we do. Now, look. Okay. So some companies, they can't do that. Okay. So. What we recommend, if you're not going to be able to send somebody physically out there, do a happy call because mm. you could do the exact same thing over over a phone call mm-hmm. as I just, you know, as we as we would do in person. Right mm-hmm. now, it's it's better in person, obviously, because the person, you know, they're, they can't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is that we actually will text that uh, that customer and ask them for the review via text. Mm-hmm. We also send them an email that says from the owner 
that says, hey, this is such and such owner of Benji's Window Company. And I just want to make sure uh, or if for any reason you weren't thrilled Mm -hmm. with your experience, I want to know about it. Here's my phone number. But if you were, here's a button to push. And we've got some some Jedi mind tricks that we write into these emails. But it's basically that it's hello. Thank you. Welcome to the family. I want to make sure you are thrilled. And if you were thrilled, would you mind just pushing this button and leaving us a review? So, that of, is- by the way, sorry to cut you off, but we don't stop there. So we send out a package a week later. So if they didn't leave the review when we sent out the text message, if they didn't leave it when we sent out the email, we're sending out a package. And mm-hmm. in that package is a jar of cookies. Mm. And we're saying, thank you so much. We really appreciate your business. We know you had a choice. Same messaging too, by the way. If for any reason you weren't thrilled, I want to know about it. Here's my phone number. And oh, by the way, you know, send us a referral. The people that receive a package are three and a half times more likely to go and leave a review as the people that did not receive a package. You, you can track it that closely. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a book uh, by a guy named Robert Cialdini called Influence, which is a yeah, great book. Yeah, you know it. You're a great marketer, right? All marketers should read Influence. Well, one of his uh, uh, influence, one of his seven influence triggers is the law of reciprocity. So here, I do something for you. Now you feel obligated to do something for me. And right. so, you know, I, I, people say, oh, yeah, we're the company that sends out cookies. It's not about the cookies. Right, right. We're not a cookie company. We're a company that's all about creating raving fans, driving reviews, developing relationships. So we get more referrals and more repeat business. And we have a better, more um, sound, more profitable, more successful company. I'm curious if you're able to – maybe you have data. Maybe it's just anecdotal or kind of like gut feel on this. But you you mentioned that all these stops along the way near the closeout of the job, there's very, very explicit CTAs, calls to action for the client to reach out and communicate if they're unsatisfied in some way. Yes. How do you notice that when this is done, nobody's perfect. We're, we're going to, there's, there's going to be some stuff where we, we, we get things wrong. Have you noticed that by doing this, um, the likelihood that someone does communicate with you about yep. the things that they're unhappy with increases? Because here's the thing, a lot of contractors will have found themselves in. You thought you did a good job. The customer like smiled and maybe they even, you know, in my case, maybe they even filled out that thing and jotted down a couple sort of, they actually said a few good things. And then three days later, you notice your Google review score go down. You notice your NPS score go down, whatever you're using to track your client satisfaction. It takes a, you're taking a bath because while they, you know, and this is, this is kind of a Canadian thing too. I think Americans is a little bit more direct. They'll tell you straight up. But here in Canada, it's, it's not uncommon for people to be like, yeah, we loved it. Here's your yeah. check. And then five days later, like, these people are the worst, blah, 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 blah. So I'm being long-winded, but my question is, does it does it help you catch? Do you catch those moments where you have an opportunity to make the save? Because six days later, two weeks later, whatever, it is in most cases too late at that point. Yes, 
how say more about that like there are people there are people oh, literally because like, look i need you to fix this so we weren't happy with that because you showed them all along the way that they are the most important person in your business mm-hmm. you demonstrated to them hey we do look at how clean we kept your house. We Mm. have a checklist that we follow. We walked you through the job and showed you the landscaping that we installed. We showed you the painting. We asked you. So I, uh, my buddy, Brian Elias um, owns a a company called refloor. It is, it will be the, the, according to him and he'll do it. It's going to become the largest flooring company in America. He's on the heels of um, empire. Amazing. You know what he tells his, and it's all baked into a system. He tells every customer has to look at every corner, everything on the job. He takes them around the house, his people take them around where they installed the flooring. And they said, look, I want you to see, I want you to look, I want you to tell me right now before I leave, if there's anything wrong with it. Painter can do the same thing. Landscaper can do the same thing. Window company, kitchen company, everybody. And. The other thing is, is look, say it's complicated, a kitchen. Kitchen's complicated. You have inserts in your cabinets, right? Let's just say three days later, the insert in your garbage thing doesn't work. Yeah. Or you don't like it. Or it's like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. How much more likely are you now to call them and say, you know, you guys were here a couple of days ago and we walked through it and I told you everything was great. But you know what? I really don't like this or this thing's not working. Yeah. They're, they're, you they're say, built. The trust you, is there. Yeah. And you have an actual service department and you say, thank you for letting us know we will be out there immediately to take mm-hmm. care of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting the way that uh, I, I, I've said this on other podcasts, but I get the sense that this is where the consumer preferences are going over the next 10 to 20 years. Like it just, the standard is the standard and, and it will only get higher. And so the it's you just I don't think that you will survive without this level of care and concern. No. No. Um, because, because your competition will be doing it. Your competition will be doing it. Oh yeah. Um, let, let's move on to this 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 note about customer appreciation. What are the you know how how do you define that kind of in your framework and then and then tell us a bit about how to do that well. So so let's go, before we go to that, let's talk about the holistic idea for a yeah, minute. Yeah, sure. Okay. So when, when I first kind of developed this system that we use today at G4, which by the way, I didn't invent this. Uh, I learned it as a marketer. We did it in the companies that we owned before we started G4 Marketing. But I knew there were four critical pillars to making a system like this work of course and of course like you said earlier the foundation of the whole thing is that customer experience yeah so think of the foundation as customer experience if you've got that in place now the four pillars that you need are number one you need a system that uh, that shows appreciation to your customer that says thank you for choosing us The second thing you need is you need a review and feedback system. The third thing you need is a formal referral program. Mm -hmm. And the fourth thing you need is long-term customer nurture. 
So those are the four components that everything we do here and everything we teach people to do, again, whether I do it, you do it, or somebody else does it, I don't care. But if you, if you want to be successful, these are the four components you need to have. And so if we look at that, okay, so we've done the job, it's, it's finished. We've sent out a text message asking for a review. We've sent out an email from the owner saying, hey, welcome to the family. We, we, again, we appreciate you choosing us, blah, blah, blah. And then we start a communication with them. We'll go into long-term nurture in a minute. Yeah. But we start a little drip campaign of saying hi and checking in and all of that. But now a week later, within a week, this box shows up at their house. And they open up the box and they look inside and it's a it's a little in our case, it's a little jar of cookies. There's a thank you card. There's bounce back gift cards inside. And there's a really nice message from the owner that says, hey, thank you again, blah, blah, blah. We really appreciate you. Now, what is this done? So we already talked about what it does for reviews. But what does it also do? It helps you stand out from everybody else. Not other contractors, because that's easy. Nowadays, we are not only competing against the other contractor, we're competing against every company, every brand that has real estate inside of our customer's head, Mindshare. So the question is, how do I create Mindshare in my customer's head? How do I, that is valuable real estate. How do I, because everybody has brands that they like. Okay. People, I'm an Apple guy. I love Apple, right? People love their Teslas. I'm not, I like the brand, but I don't, I'm not an electric car guy, but people love their, think about it. Women love their Louis Vuitton bags. Um, And you can go on and on, right? So people have four or five brands in their head that they love. Well, what are you doing to make sure that you're one of them? Mm -hmm. One of the ways is to show up different than everybody else and say, thank you. We appreciate you as a customer. That's where appreciation comes in. And think about this too. I tell people this all the time. It's just the right thing to do. These people gave you thousands of dollars. They invited you into their home and you made money. Mm-hmm. Say flipping, thank you. Take a few bucks, and mm-hmm. by the way, you're not paying for it; they're paying for it. Right? You're not going to pay for right. this. I tell people all the time. They say, "How do I pay for it?" I said, "You're not paying for it; they're paying for it." Add a hundred bucks to every job, right? And do the right thing. You think if you can get nine thousand dollars for a job, do you think you can get nine thousand one hundred? You're not paying for it; they're paying for it. But it's the right thing to do. Not only for you, but it's the right thing to do for them. It's a really classy touch. Um, question for you about the cookies. Are they chocolate chip or are they Absolutely. like oatmeal? And then more importantly, are they crunchy or are they chewy? Okay. So. Now we're really we're not, real pay dirt here. This is the most important part of the whole episode. So I am not a crunchy cookie fan. Me neither. However, Get them out of here. However. However, our cookies are these little crunchy cookies. They're made out of butter and sugar and chocolate chips and a few other like goodies, all natural. And they're 
so addicting. Like you wouldn't believe it. People love those little cookies. Are there other fun examples that you have from clients? I don't know. Just like out there stuff that's really memorable, cookie stuff that people like send that that just. Um, that, so we that, got. It's funny you should. You know what? It's funny you should ask. Had you asked me a week ago or two weeks ago, I would have said, "Well, yeah, I mean this and that." We got uh, one of our clients, longtime client, roofing company. He sends us a text message with the of a of a Facebook. I think it was a Facebook post that somebody did that said um, something to the effect of um, uh, um, something like I I did my roof. I did another roof job so I can get this other another bag of these amazing cookies, <laughs> something like that. That was so funny. Um I didn't, I didn't say it well. You got to see the post, but it was pretty funny. It's like I basically I bought a roof so I can get this little bag of cookies, you know. But it, but it can be, it can be anything, right? Like, like co- cookies are a poignant example. I, look, I like here's. I've always liked food. I've yeah. always liked cookies in particular because everybody likes cookies. Yeah. You know, and so we've always really used co- cookies. I don't like flowers because flowers die. Flowers do die. Yeah, flowers die. I'm not real crazy about plants because they're not real practical. Gift baskets are problematic because you know you got to put a bunch of crap in there. And most yeah, of the bottle, bottle of wine is nice, but bottle not of wine is drink. yeah. But what if they don't drink? Yeah, yeah. So but, cookies have always we've done cookies for 13 years. Is there a way to automate that, or is someone from your team going and buying the cookies and putting them, taking them to the post office and putting in the address? Is well, there a way our, that this is totally seamless? That is our secret sauce. That is what we do here. So we do just last month, probably on an on any given month, we're doing between ten and twelve thousand customers on behalf of our clients. Right. And yeah, and there are people behind the scenes that are loading data into a, a, a proprietary CRM that we created that is telling all these different plates, send a text message here, send an email here, send this over to the production department to put a box together. Um, every, by the way, it goes even further, is that every jar of cookies is customized to the company. So it's got their branding on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the thank you cards are customized. And everything is personalized to the customer. So your name, Benji, is going to be on everything that gets sent out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what our clients pay us to do. Now, can you go and do this? Are there places where you can go and do stuff like this? Yeah. You just go in and input the information one by one and a little note or whatever, however you do it, and you send them off. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just wondering. I think, I think a lot of people know to do this intuitively, and probably yeah. early days in their business, they actually start, and maybe they do it twelve times, maybe they do it fifty times, but at some point they get so busy, and and, and then their scale gets large enough where they go, oh, I really wish that I could do the cookies, but I just, I, I got no time, and so, and it, and it kind of falls to the wayside. So I think that's an you important many, part of yeah, it. You know how many people we talk to? Yeah, you know how many people we talk to that say, Yeah, well, we used to send out yeah. a gift. But then, you know, we wouldn't send it to everybody and then blah, blah, blah. And then it's been like, you know, when people hear about this, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, you got to be able to write the check and you got to be feel good about it and know it's an investment. It's not an expense. 
Yeah. So you you guys have you guys have your system for doing it that you could also I mean, I've seen people do this via Amazon where they're cap at some point early on in, in their marketing sequence, they're capturing an ad address, assumably uh, to go do an estimate that gets stored somewhere. And then later on, they would buy something from Amazon and send it sure. there. I'm sure there's other there's other platforms. There's lots of gifting. Yeah, but there's lots of gifting is, companies. It needs to be hands off. Otherwise, it, it will be one of those things that falls to the wayside and ends up in the good idea graveyard that yeah. any contractor has of things that they used to do, but now they can't because they're too busy. Let's move on to referral rewards. And I really want you to, you know, again, this is a holistic system. All this stuff plays into each other. But how do we, what's the most effective way to like, create urgency and actually incentivize clients to make those referrals for us? Well, you, you know, look, I wish I had figure. I wish I was smart enough to figure out urgency. I really do. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, you never know when the opportunity is going to present itself to one of your customers to make a referral. And so you just have to always be there. That's where Mindshare comes in. That's where Standing Out comes in. That's where Creating Raving Fan comes in. That's where giving your customer a story to tell comes in. So if you've got all of those parts and pieces in place, now you can set up a, a program to incentivize the referral. And so what we recommend, and most of our clients are set up this way, is if somebody makes an introduction and that introduction leads to an appointment, regardless of whether it sells or not, regardless of whether it sells or not, that person that made that referral gets a thank you. The way we do it is we send them money. Generally, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, some people do 100. What's funny is the amount doesn't really make a difference. It's the gesture of the thank you that is what makes the difference. Cash or gift card? Um, so we've done it. Well, we've never done cash. Um, we've tried the gift card route nightmare. We simply write checks right. on behalf of our clients. And how is that communicated? Is wh Where do you actually put that little that little incentive structure so that the client knows it's, about it? Yeah, it's all baked in. Tell them. It's all baked in. So it goes all the way back to the sales presentation. At the yeah. end of the sales presentation, there's there are certain, about that. Yeah, there are certain word tracks that we give, certain scripting that we give to the salesperson to set up the, the, the likelihood of a referral. Right. And then after, so like, for example, after the box of cookies goes out, there's a small mention of referrals in there, just a small mention of it, because we're not, we can't do too many things at once. Otherwise, we'll get no results. So a couple of weeks after that, they're going to get in the mail, they get what we call our fake check letter. So mm -hmm. they'll get a check for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever the amount is. And it basically says, hey, if you send us a referral, we're going to send you a real check for 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then every communication from there forward includes something some sort of reminder about referrals. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, so now keep in mind too, you know, when we talk about nurturing, because again, these things all work together. We do 12 email newsletters a year for our clients, one a month. 
and we do four print newsletters a year. So we do 16 unique newsletters a year to the client. Every single newsletter contains a section about the referral rewards program. So we create a referral rewards program for them. It's mentioned in every communication that goes out. The other thing that we do is that we run a contest every quarter. And that contest will give away a laptop, smart TV. Um, something bigger. Yeah, something big. And we say, hey, make a referral. You'll be entered for the drawing. And um, we're going to uh, draw the name on such and such date. What that does is it, it that's some that's a way of incentivizing inferral referrals also. And what it does is it gives us the opportunity now to go and send emails that are solely targeted at referrals. Does it do anything? Do you I mean in your tracking, do you see a big spike in the graph? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. And what's funny is we track we track the uh, prize too. Yeah. So we've been doing it for so long. We know what prizes uh, tend to get better response than others. And so that's, you know, those are the prizes that we will tend to use. Yeah, it's interesting. I, we've tried some, we've tried some competition stuff in the past and it, and it kind of falls on deaf ears, but I suspect. Are you that, talking, now B2B is very different. Yeah, that's true. B2B I mean, is very different. Don't like, try and get me involved in any type of referral program. <laughs> I ain't going to participate. It, right. I'm just not. You know, well, and no matter what you do, no matter what you do, I mean, I've seen people like give away cars, like literally give away a car, send us referrals and you have a chance at winning a car. I don't care. I'll send you a referral when it comes, you know, it, 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 when it comes around. Um, but that kind of stuff doesn't work on me. You want to you, you know what works on B2B, at least in our little world. So Tell it's me. funny we're having this conversation right now. As we speak, we are doing uh, – I, I didn't get to go on it because I'm talking to you and I've been on this trip many times and it's time for some other people to go. Uh, but we do every year something we call the referral adventure trip. So we are in the con consulting, coaching, advising business specifically for trades and construction. We implement systems. We watch these businesses grow. And as I was saying earlier on, like 38% at one point, 38% of our total lead flow came from referrals. So how did we how did we do that? Well, we do good work and people want to share it, but we incentivized it with this thing we call the referral adventure trip. You know, most of our members make we're blessed make more money than a hundred bucks is a fart in the wind. They're like, right, exactly. Right, yep. okay. So, um, so what we do is we do that. We've done this referral adventure trip for like seven years. We, anyone who sends us a referral who actually starts, they initiate with us, they do blueprint. We take them on an adventure trip. We've done fishing, a two day fishing lodge. That's we've cool. Done, we've done this this time. We've done this a couple of times. It's a service trip in the Baja, Mexico. There are like literally 30 or 40 BTA members in San Diego right now heading over this morning or tomorrow morning to go build two houses for families in need down there. That's cool. Uh, we've done other like like other outdoorsy things and it works. Man, it's insane. Like people. I are, might I, I might rip that idea off and test it. Yeah. Now, it's a bit elaborate. <laughs> it's pretty expensive. And it's a yeah. bit. Okay, that's well, that's gonna be over the top, but we've done that for like for seven years now, and it's an unbelievable little little thing. Well, to look, I'm glad you. Oh, okay, so I'm sorry to cut you off, but you said something really important there. You said it's a little expensive, but guess what? You don't care. 
No. Why? Because you know what the lifetime value of a client is for you. And so you don't care. You know, I can spend X dollars per person and it's perfectly fine. Right. This is where contractors really need to start to think about, because if you want to allow, take your, your referral program to a whole nother level, so you incentivize the appointment, but now you want to supercharge this thing when that job sells and when you get paid, send them something else. There's like send a bonus, a there's another one. Yeah. yeah. Send them a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Send them, send them something bigger, you know, look. A typical contractor, if you're if you're doing a ten thousand dollar job, it probably costs you at least a thousand bucks to buy that customer. If oh you're God. going the traditional route, yeah. so if you know it costs me a thousand bucks to buy a customer the traditional route, but a referral is only going to cost me one hundred and fifty bucks. Well, okay, I can spend another three hundred and fifty dollars at least, and I'm still going to be at half. Yeah. But that $350, what would that do? Mm-hmm. You know, what could that do now to get you more referrals? Yeah, they're, 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 they're marketing dollars well spent. They really Absolutely. are. Back yeah. to what we said earlier, they convert more quickly at a higher percentage. They're less price sensitive. And yep. they, in turn, are more likely downstream to actually become a referrer for you in turn. Let's yeah. talk about long-term nurture a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, staying, staying front of mind, staying present. You mentioned some newsletters. Um, what, what do you guys advise business owners do here? Well, you got to show up. I think, you know, a lot of people will go the cheap route and say, well, you know, you ask them, well, you, how do you stay in touch with your customers? Well, we do a newsletter. Well, tell me about your newsletter. Well, we do an email newsletter once every so often. Well, so this is why I wanted to ask you this. I mean, dude, like, let's be real. My my plumber sends me an email once a month. My HVAC, they send me like I don't fucking read this stuff. Like, what, what do I care? I don't want. I'm like, cool. Like, right on. I've got. No. I've got so, the, well, so maybe I'm being a, maybe I'm being a jerk here, but no, like, you're it, like it, most like people. why why would any client care what their like Reno company says two years later on the monthly newsletter? Well, I'm being because how do you make this interesting enough that people want to engage with it? But what is it about? So if it's about plumbing and HVAC, yeah, they don't care. But if you got a recipe in there. If you've got an entertaining and engaging article about we do kids, pets, tech, fun. So it has nothing um, to do with the trade or service. No, who right. cares? Right. That's what I'm saying. Who cares about roofing? You really want to you really want to get a newsletter about roofing? Who I cares? I get an email saying from a landscaper saying, hey, I want to let you know we bought a new Kubota machine. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Who cares? Okay, so you're saying you're saying make it about what that ideal client profile genuinely cares about. You, you rattled some stuff off there. What did you say? Uh, parents, pets? No, pets, kids, tech, yeah. fun. Um, what else? Um, what was the other thing? Anyway, I, but, but personal development, something self help, local recommendations, about, like yeah, stuff. Like, you know, we yeah. don't. Yeah, that would be good if you're doing if you're local. I mean, we can't do that because our clients are all over the country. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
stuff like that that's engaging. Right. Now, so that's the email version of the newsletter. So I told you we do email and print. Yeah. So if you're only doing email and you're doing it sporadically, that's a problem. We have done every single month since 2009 on the exact same day of every single month, we have sent out an email newsletter on behalf of our clients. And so there are people that have been getting that email newsletter for 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And so it's done on the same day of every single month. It's got a very simple format and it's from the owner. The little message at the beginning is from the owner. We have a whole process that we go through. There's a checklist of items that have to be there, that things that can't be there that we've learned over the years. But here's the important thing, though, is that what helps to really um, put that whole thing on steroids is the print version showing up in their mailbox four times a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially the home services people, if they are not doing a customer newsletter, that's not all about plumbing or HVAC or electrical or handyman or whatever. Yeah. They are missing the boat. Right. Missing the boat. You talk about percentages of repeat and referral. For home services, it's very different. For general, regular, everyday contractors that are, yeah. you know, like you rattle a painting, landscaping, windows, roofing, all of that. 30% a third of your business coming from referral and repeats, great. But if you're home services, man, you should be closer to 50%. Those people should be coming back. You should have a plan for how do I get a new customer to come back to me four times as quickly as possible. So when we set up campaigns for HVAC and for plumbing, our entire focus is how do I get this person to come back three to four times within a very quick period of time? Because we know that with each time they use us, we get cemented into their psyche and we will become their plumber. We will become their AC company because we have done, we've been in their house yeah. three times, four times. Yeah, that makes sense. The um, Do you uh, do you check open rates on your newsletter? Like those email ones? Are, what are they? Are they healthy? Like are people actually engaging with this material? Yeah. What do you think would be a good number? Well, I mean, we think we do a really good job of our stuff and our open rates hover between like 38 and 42% depending on the email. And this is specifically – now, this is not for newsletter stuff. This is for content drips and other yeah. stuff we do. Well, it's different. That's B2B. That's and really I'll tell you what. If that's amazing numbers, but that's very similar to what we get with homeowners. Really? On, news, on newsletters, north of 30% open rate? Wow. Okay, cool. Now, well, so yeah. the, the, but the, the, the reason that is is because the content is good. So here's my question. Here's another thing. Content's hard. Writing's hard. Like, like, I'm but sorry. But there's two reasons. Two re- content is only one reason. Yeah. The other re- – sorry to cut you off. But the other reason is, remember, if we've started a communi- a pattern of communication with these people and we've gotten them used to hearing from us – and we're not bombarding them with BS. Mm-hmm. See, like you, why do you have such high open rates? Because you're delivering good content. We try. You're delivering value. And so when you're delivering value, then they're more likely to open it and get engaged with you. Right. So Sorry, I cut you off, but I, I wanted to make that point. 
No, it, no, it's, it's a good point. My, my, my question kind of is uh, parlays uh, dovetails with that really well. Like um, creating value is hard. I spent the last six years trying to figure out how to do this. It's a lot of work and it it's a lot, a lot of work. Quiet, focused time, writing, assembling, getting graphic design, getting good imagery. If you if you're fancy enough to have video, I mean, we, this this stuff we sort of like say, oh, like make a newsletter, it'll be so great. It's like this is that's real work to be done. We and have so a my, my question is, how do we do that? How, how does a small business owner do that in a semi-automated, semi-customized way where they're not carving out a day and a half a week, which they absolutely don't have? To do content creation for this stuff, they gotta have somebody that's gonna do it for them. Then, right? If so they it's can't like, do it them. Look, you know, if they can't do it themselves, they gotta hire it. They gotta outsource it. And you're right. We have a whole team of people. We have, our writer has been with us from the beginning. She's amazing. And so we have in G4, all, does she write? She writes these. She writes these pieces, and it's basically white labeled. And then you basically stick the logo and the brand package of the client on top of it, and it makes it look like it's coming from them. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But that's but by bulk, you know, like that's just that's just. Well, like and, a, and look, quite frankly, that's why we can do it so yeah cost effectively is because we're doing it for hundreds of companies. If we yeah. were doing it just for one, imagine. To hire a writer, you know, to hire a designer, to 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 uh, you know get this done every single month, and to manage it and all of that, it's 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 a lot of work. Um, it's just a small piece of what we're doing for our clients. For you know, yeah, very cost effectively. Is there but besides e email newsletter and then print newsletter, is there anything else that kind of fits into the long term nurture domain? Yeah, so is that it? Yeah, so we do, uh, you know, we'll do the referral um, um, emails that mm. say, hey, you know, the referral contest is X number of days left. You still have a chance to win. Um, you can do, um, you could actually send out emails that are just offers. Mm -hmm. You can say, hey, we're having, we're running a special this mm -hmm. month on mm -hmm. such and such. Um, the, yeah, you build a lot of, of, um, you, you 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 make deposits in a in the trust bank, you know, and they trust you, and you can then go and ask for, you know, a withdrawal. Totally, and 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 it does it does work. I, I can say this like I can say this with some experience now. Um, you know, the we're having a lot of fun right now with where our brand is at, and with where our nurture is at, and with the stuff. You know, it's gotten to the point now, and this has taken a lot of work. And I want to be very clear: for most of the time, we absolutely sucked at it. Very recently, it's starting. It's starting to pay off in the sense that when we meet people uh, and we engage with them in some at some marketing event, maybe they do a call with us, maybe they do a meeting with us, maybe they don't. Like, even if they don't transact. Our, our, our systems are to the point now where I have faith where I'm like, it's fine. You know what? We met them now. They'll be back in two years. And rely we can see it in the CRM. They are so reliably. It's almost like clockwork. They're like, okay, ping. They're ready to now engage with our services or do something a little bit more with us. Yeah. You know, just, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because that's – I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And I just, you have to like 
have faith and then all of a sudden it begins to that's what they you know we talk about that flywheel effect in marketing that that that's what it is and we started to notice it ourselves and it's it's been really rewarding to see that I'm laughing because that's exactly where we are too with G4. I mean, everything you just said is absolutely true about G4 as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's scary. Like for the law, you're like, I, you know, some, someone smarter than me said this would work. I read it in a book. I, but I can't believe that people, are they going to read my newsletter? Are they going to watch yeah. the video? Are they going to engage with the content? Are they going to do the stuff that all the gurus said that you say that you should do? And I think that's why like a lot of things in business and in life do require a leap of faith at some point. And it's just like, I, some people that I look up to say this will work. I have my own doubts. I have my own skepticisms. Uh, but you know what? Let me just try this for a while and see what happens. And sure enough, it takes longer than you think. And it usually costs a little more than you think. But sure enough, you do get to that well, greener pasture that you were promised in the first place. Well, let's just think about something, though. The day and age that we live in today is so much more advanced than even 10 years ago, oh 20 years ago. Light years. Today, I tell people all the time, there are formulas for success. Totally. You it, it, go to Breakthrough Academy. They right. will teach you step by step. They'll teach you how to hire. They'll teach you how to manage. They'll teach you how to this and that. I mean, it's step by step by step. There was stuff out there before, but not like there is today. And there's proof behind it because if if back in the day before, like, say, Google reviews, if you could be out there and saying, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, you can go sell 100 people into something. Well, by the time people start to figure out that you're full of shit, you've made a whole bunch of money yeah. and you're on to the next thing. Well, yeah. guess what? That doesn't work anymore. No. Because it's you have found out like that. And there's so many people, like you said, there's so many smart people out there that we can learn from and just copy their success. Well, well, ask them, tell me, show me, how'd you do it? Show it, me the formula. I'll go do it. It's unbelievable. I, I really, I, I appreciate you that making that comment because I think about this a lot. I don't know if this is interesting to our, our, our listeners or not, but we're, we're close to bringing this to a close anyway. But it's just an interesting thing to ponder for a second about, about this modern business sphere that we live in, Brian. Literally anything that you want to do, any identity that you want to be, there is a framework, a playbook, a guru, a coaching program, and all. And let's be real, not all of them are equal. There's, I mean, you know, there's a lot. Definitely of, not. A lot of jokers out there. Yep. Those are our competition. I have to. We have to spend lots of time explaining why we're different, and we are. And you see it in the results, and you see it in our Google reviews. So you know, be be mindful of that. Not not every person who poses as some uh, you know wise leader who's going to show you the show you the path is as promised. That's true. But the point I'm making is like this: like whatever it is that you want to achieve, there are books and books written on it, and all you have to do is consume the knowledge and implement. Whereas 20 years ago, you truly were just like. You were just in a forest with the machete and no compass trying to figure it out. And that's not the case anymore. So I'm always like, man, don't think that you need to like figure this out in your own little brain. Look outward because the answers are there. Yeah, there's your book. You know where that comes from? Where? Pain. <laughs> Pain and mistakes and losing money and and then learning 
from really smart people what works, what makes a contracting business work. Where'd you guys get your system from? Right. You know, you didn't get it from, oh, look how smart we are and we did it all the right way. No, somebody failed and failed bad and said, "Uh, I ain't never doing that again. So I got to go find out the right way to do things. And and then what came out of it? Then you guys, you know, Breakthrough Academy came out of it because it's like uh, I did it the wrong way. I know what the wrong way looks like. Then I did it the right way. And damn it, it worked. And now it's it's not like the work is finished because you because you kind of come up it's with never one finished. framework one time. Like now we have the opportunity to run hundreds of entrepreneurs through it every single year and tweak it and improve it. I mean, literally yesterday I'm talking. We were talking with um, my my videographer Matt. His our videographer Matt. Um, about we're like we need to literally like retool all the stuff in the toolbox. We have a whole bunch of educational content that we are going to have to actually make upgrades to. Um, and so that is like the iterative, the iterative process that becomes the game. Once you, you know, do your V1 and you learn from pain and you get some great solutions, it's not like, okay, mic drop, all my work here is done. You've actually just gotten started and then you're right. I'm sure it's the same with your stuff as well. You mentioned, you mentioned um, seven secrets as a good, a good segue to a question I thought would be a fun one to kind of close in on based on this, this conversation we've just had about relationship marketing and feedback and reviews and customer appreciation, referral awards, long-term nurture, et cetera. Um, secret number four in your book is I'm going to read it to you. The wealthy contractor understands the business that they are really in. Can you elaborate on that? Well, if you want to be rich in this business, if you want to get wealthy from this business, you have to go from what we call the doer of the thing to the marketer of the thing. When we, when we, you know, if you're out there as a tradesman and you're putting on a roof or you're the one out there selling the roof um, or you're the fireman that's running from one problem to another, how do you ever build a business, a real business out of that? The day that you realize that your job is to market and sell your services, and look, I'm really fortunate that I learned this early, you know, because I was that guy too. I muscled everything and I hustled and this and that. And then when I learned about the power of marketing, because marketing is really all about Uh, To me, it's not just about advertising and lead generation. To me, marketing is everything you do to create a customer, keep a customer, and multiply a customer. And if you think about that, that's really like looking at the business holistically and saying, okay, how do we deliver – how do we attract customers? How do we convert them into a customer? You know, So that goes into the sales process. How do we get the right price? Well, the right price is, a, is driven by value. It's driven by presentation. What is presentation? Presentation is psychology. It's math. It's understanding the customer that you're sitting in front of. So everything really is, it, it's a big shift that comes when people realize, man, I really got to stop being a quote unquote contractor. Yeah. And I've really got to become a marketer of contracting services, whatever your particular service is. Yeah. And when you understand that and when you get that, and by the way, that's really kind of the first step. Once you get to about 10 million, it changes a little bit. But um, 
and, and really, and then as you get closer to 20, you become more of a people development company. Totally. But the first step really is to understand that you are in a sales and marketing role, and it doesn't matter what you sell. You know, whether you're a dentist, a restaurant owner, uh, a painter, plumber, you know. Yeah. So that's what is meant by secret number four. Yeah, I, I love that. We um, we had Tommy Mello on the program a couple, a couple weeks ago. And he I kind like of, Tommy. I really like Tommy too. I, I, I've, I got a lot of time for him. Um, and he we were having the same conversation kind of about the identity piece. And he's, you know, he's... I don't know if, he's, if it's 160 million or 200 million or whatever. I mean, he's going to run a really, really big, big operation this year. Yeah. He kind of said the same thing. He's like, we, he's like, we are a like a marketing and sales organization and a people organization. We also have a huge component of tech involved, and yep. we just happen to install garage doors. Exactly. Anyone in 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 the U.S. and I just like that identity piece. I think matters a lot, and you'll see that. You know, there's, there's levels to this. Like people go from um, and this unbelievable uh, guy named Anthony Langdon on the show a couple a couple of months ago. And he, you know, we talked about this thing. He's like, I identified. I, he used that word. I identified as a roofer and I was stuck doing $800,000 a year on a roof. He's like, now I identify as an entrepreneur and my business happens to install roofs. Yeah. I'm going to do over $10 million this year and put a pile of that in the bank. And I just think that's, that's the shift. Yeah, that's that shift. And I like the way he said that a lot, my identity. Yeah. 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 So um, listen, we got to close here, but this has been such a rich and and wonderful conversation. Brian, it's fun. Thank you. If people want to reach out to you, where, where do you kind of exist on the interwebs? The best place to go, so if they're interested in relationship marketing, the best place to go is g4marketing.com and spell out the number. It's G-F-O-U-R-Marketing.com. G-F-O-U-R-Marketing.com. And take a look, you know, book a demo. Um, it's 10 minutes. First call is just 10 minutes just to see if we can help. Um, you'll get on the phone with either Pete or Dustin. They're awesome. Cool. And um, if we can help you, then they'll show you more. But it's just a quick call to see if, hey, can we even help help you? And if we can't, we'll you know, we'll send you somewhere uh, that uh, that can help you. I love it. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, we'll Benji. Uh, we'll again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.